Hi, I'm Levi Smith, and this is It's Worth Noting. Interviews and conversations with business and thought leaders about organizational health and culture. I invite you to visit my blog at itsworthnoting.com or follow me on Twitter at Levi underscore Smith. Roy Spence needs no introduction if you live in Austin, Texas, or are familiar with the advertising industry. He's one of the founding members of GSDNM, an advertising agency of tremendous success and impact over the past few decades. They've been responsible for such iconic campaigns as Don't Mess With Texas and Southwest's You Now Have the Freedom to Fly. In addition to this work, Roy is the founding member of the Purpose Institute and a best-selling author of It's Not What You Sell, It's What You Stand For. Roy's passion for helping people and organizations find their purpose and his involvement in the conscious capitalism movement served as our topics of conversation. My interview with Roy was split into two parts, and now part two. I'm, as you know, I'm, a, I'm an optimist. I, I have a lot of determination, so I'm not naive. But, you know, I just see the basic simple idea that I've never seen anyone burn out doing what they love to do. I've never seen anyone burn out trying to become great at what they're good at. I've never seen anyone burn out when you are doing something and making money and have start off with, I'm going to build a grumpy culture. I'm going to build a fear-based culture. I'm going to be the boss. I'm going to try to skirt the issues of purpose and making a difference. You you start your life in business destined to be unhappy. (laughs) I tell my kids or anyone that will listen, you can make a living doing what you love to do. I did not say get rich. You can make a living doing what you love to do. And you want to, oh, I got an idea. I think I'll just have a crappy week and then love to go fishing on the weekends. Well, why do you want to do that? You know, you know. so at some point, uh, companies instinctively know this. The best talent wants to live their life doing what they love to do. The best talent wants to not try to be average at what I'm bad at because somebody put me in a role of that. They want to be great at what they're good at. The best talent wants to look back at the end of the day in their life and say, you know, I had work to do and and I enjoyed the I, I loved the journey versus I had a job to do and I could hardly wait to get away from work. So it's kind of common sense, but it takes a certain kind of leader to say, let's build a culture that lifts people up instead of a culture that tears them down. It's kind of that simple. Do you think that one of the payoffs for establishing the type of culture that we're talking about is that it actually gives you the freedom to let people be human and exercise judgment against this clear purpose. In other words, if it fulfills our purpose, then I'm given the freedom to do it, where we've seemed to have gravitated in a lot of industries and with a lot of companies as they've scaled to, of course, you know, long uh, lists of policies, procedures, manuals, et cetera. And I'm wondering if one of the reasons that, you know, he's gravitated to that is that this piece is missing. And so the, the leaders who are even putting those policies, procedures, manuals, and everything else in place don't even know what their people would, would use to, to, to make judgments. They don't, they don't know what the standard is that their people would use. And so absent that standard, they've got to dictate the details. Do, do you think that this shift allows you to have a company where you can say, we trust you as people. If it fits our purpose, if it furthers our purpose, do it. If it doesn't, don't do it. Do, do you think that's a way to get there if, if you want to shift from an organization that's more rules-based to an organization that's more 
judgment-based and that really lets people exercise uniquely human gifts and talents rather than just sort of being robots clothed in human skin. Uh, again, I didn't know any of this. I learned it from masters. On our floor in Idea City are our core values, and we preach them. We, they're actually etched in concrete. And at the top of the circle is the key one. It's called freedom and responsibility. And the definition of that core value is it's in your hands. Here's what happens. If organizations offer up lots of freedom and then at some moment employees abuse that freedom, then that's when, and don't take personal responsibility or team responsibility or cultural responsibility for outcomes, then in walks the policy police and the procedure police. So the more freedom you give an organization and the less responsibility that you hold people accountable to, that allows the policy, rightfully so, and the policy police to come in and start writing rules and regulations. If you balance your culture of I trust these people, I respect these people, they're my colleagues, but by golly, I'm going to give you a lot of freedom and a lot of autonomy, but if you abuse that, you're not going to work in the company anymore. So with freedom comes huge responsibility. That's one piece. So it's up to the culture to almost reject and eject company who don't take – a friend of mine used to always tell me the greatest theft in a company is not of dollars or documents, but of work ethic and commitment. It's the greatest theft of a company because then all of a sudden you put the burden on your colleagues. So one is a culture that has huge freedom but also – and by the way, every industry – has different things in the medical industry. They have to have a lot more procedures and all that stuff. But you got to balance that responsibility. Final point on that is, though, if, in fact, we start believing that we're in the business to make money and not make a difference and then make money, it is a perfect place for the policy police to come in and really start regulating the culture. Well, you didn't make this, you didn't do this, and whatever – and so I would say that purpose is so important in these organizations reestablish the purpose because the higher the purpose, the more responsibility, the more accountability, the more lift and excitement, the less rules and regulations you have to have. It's a fact. So um, that's kind of the way I would look at it. Going back to the beginning of our conversation, we were talking about the conscious capitalism movement and that the capitalism done well done correctly uh, should be since providing people economic freedom through jobs and yep. uh, not only jobs that just provide a paycheck but jobs that help provide fulfillment and purpose and other things along with the rest of the relationships where, where do you see that movement going in the in the coming years what's your desire with that movement and being involved in it well you know it's it's again the credit goes to uh, actually the founders of it you know the the John Mackeys and the Kip Tingles at the Container Store. We came in maybe a year or so afterwards, although we've been involved with the movement for a long time. In a, in a nutshell, this is what I think. When we're at our best, when we're at our best, we have free markets, we have non-corrupt government, we have conscious capitalists and not crony capitalists. And when those things start working together, it lifts people up. And it's interesting as you look at presidential debates or campaigns now, you know, you, the, two, the two sides 
go at this like we're going to spend our way out of it or we're going to cut our way out of it, and neither one of those things are going to work. We have to create our way out of this, and especially in America because our DNA, the miracle of America is if you can dream it, you can build it. The key is going to be as we start getting back on that track of inspiring the young and young at heart to go out and build something and create something, you help them build it and create it from the ground up with purpose, with understanding the principles of conscious capitalism. And in the end, what happens there if we do when we're at our best? You get to work for organizations like Apple or Southwest or GSNM or Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or Patagonia or Container Store or Start, and you're part of something bigger than just your company. You're part of something that's building not only your own organization, but you're building this country and, in a sense, inspiring the world. I know that sounds mighty, but we have a mighty country and we have a mighty purpose. And I think we need to start talking, quit talking about the fiscal cliff and start talking about the mountains that we could climb together. We keep, I mean, just the language of doom, the fiscal cliff. Think about this. Well, go fix it. <laughs> you know, we have mountains to climb. So you want, you know, do you want to spend your life trying to not fall off the cliff? Right. <laughs> you know, or do you want to spend your life climbing to the sky? It's not a great story to tell, talking about how you just avoided uh, avoided death your whole life rather than how you. Uh, yeah, exactly. Living. <laughs> So uh, the fiscal cliff, get over it, fix it. That's your job. That's why we pay you the money to go to Washington and then let the entrepreneurs climb the mountains. You know, rather than thinking about alleviating poverty by, you know, making a donation to the right organization and that sort of prism and, and, and not to completely dismiss that, I think sometimes it's, it's needed and appropriate. Absolutely. Absolutely. For, for the instinct to be to figure out how you can be part of creating jobs. Uh, the the, the long-term solution, what people are really desperately yearning for, um, I think is gainful employment. Right, um, a good and, job. And not only the economic freedom that that brings, but, but just going back to what we've been talking about uh, throughout this conversation now, um, also being part of giving them a purpose, a, a yep. mission, an adventure to go on, a group of people to do it with. All those things are so critical to seeing people really come alive and the difference between that contrasting that with a really good government program or even nonprofit that's great at providing food, shelter, and some basic necessities of life, uh, the, the contrast is stark. Between 1985 and 2005, that 20-year cycle, 40 million jobs were created in this country, 40 million in 20 years. 95% of those jobs were created by companies less than five years old, 95% of the 40 million. That's when we were on fire with the idea that dream it, build it, create it. Second piece is what we have to embed in our school systems is, you know, I can't, I can't spell, and so spell check doesn't even help me. I'm so bad. But my mother, my mother, I was in the eighth grade. My mom, I went to, in a quick story, I took a test in the eighth grade, and it was on Emerson, and boy, and I had like 11 misspelled words and got a C, and I, there were C's were not allowed in my home. And the next year, I, but mom didn't say anything. She was a teacher, by the way, in Brownwood. Next year, we're studying Emerson again. I'm in the ninth grade, and I said, Mom, I can't, I can't. I'm, I'm terrified. I'll make another C. She said, no, just turn in the paper. Well, I had 13 misspelled words, not 11, and I got an A. And I put the papers in front of my mother. I said, I don't get it, Mom. And she said, you can't spell. 
but you can write. So here's the bargain I'm going to make with you. This is, is a young age. I don't want you to spend much of your time trying to be average at what you're bad at. I want you to spend the rest of your life trying to be great at what you're good at. And so in our school systems, we, we need to think less about no child left behind and house testing. We must not have any dream left behind. We need to know if a kid can't spell or a kid doesn't know how to math, let's find out what they're great at. Don't let the dreams lie, you know, go away. That's what will reinvigorate America and the school systems and the kids because if we're always looking for what's wrong and we're always trying to standardize and just go down to everybody's the same, we're not going to go back to what makes America great. We are an entrepreneurial nation when we're at our best. And the purpose of America is to keep the idea going that if you can dream it, you can build it. That's what I believe. Well, thank you very much, Roy, and we'll uh, leave it at that. Thank you for listening, and check back soon for new episodes. Remember to visit itsworthnoting.com where you can read posts about leadership, productivity, and technology. On the top right section of the site, you can subscribe to both the blog and this podcast.